Oeherema Yorana. You're listening to Tereva Neyao, the only podcast currently documenting the voices and lives of Tahitian American families and couples, the long distance, the love stories, our lives between Tahiti and the United States of America. We present to you Tereva Neyao. Hey, Yorana ito tato a maeva i episode 3. Welcome back, everybody, to Tereva Neyao. I'm your host, Ryan, and I'd like to introduce y'all today to a very special guest, a wonderful soul, and a sweet person, which is my friend Heyani. Heyani is actually the co founder, along with my wife, Verea, myself, and our friend Julie Charles, uh, co founder of the group Tahitian American Families and Couples that you have. Um, been with us on Facebook. If you're part of the group, if you're not part of the group already, go ahead and search that. We'd be happy to add you. It is a private group, so there is um, an access for request that needs to happen. Um, but we'll get into our, our next guest real quickly. Heyani is a wife to her American spouse, Vinny. She's also a mother, and uh, her and her little family live on the beautiful island of Oahu, which is located in the archipelago of Hawaii. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to bring on Heyani, and I hope that y'all enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. My gosh, Heyani, thank you so much for joining me on uh, Zoom tonight. Um, it's it's really an honor to have you here. Um, it, it was only right that you're the first guest out of all the other guests that I plan to have, simply because you're the first person that I ever talked to and reached out to about what I was going through, which is that I simply wanted to bring Verea here. And um, like I explained in my episode to intro the whole podcast, I looked on Visa Journey and there was like thousands, maybe 10,000 entries. There was like Philippines, Mexico, Canada, um, Brazil, and there was just one from America and French Polynesia, and it was you, and you had written your story there. So um, thank you so much for being here because really we, my wife and I both see that we have our happy life together and, and we ended up like building our life together um, with the foundation of the advice that you and people like Julie also gave us advice about our visa. So thank you. Welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. So about me, uh, my maiden name is uh, Lao Nyu Dan. So, hey, Annie, Desiree, Lo, New, Dan. And um, so it is a Chinese last name because I'm half Chinese and half Tahitian. Uh, I was raised in um, Tiberi Valley, so very close to, uh, to town. Um, where I live in Tiberi, uh, it's, it's more like a, a, a family uh, my street is mostly most of my family live there um and then in i was raised by my both of my parents uh, i have a younger sister so it's just the four of us um but i'm sure as you know in tahiti it cannot be just <laughs> four people so you have uncle and aunties and and all the cousins so that what that's um 
that what makes uh, makes our uh, my family. So my dad is pure Chinese. Uh, he is the uh, second generation born uh, from China. So my great grandparents came from China on my dad's side. Uh, my mother, uh, my from my grandma's side, uh, she, uh, they're actually from the island of Bora Bora. And then my mother's father is from the island of Malpiti. Uh, so I am sure that I am uh, related to your wife. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that, that's why it makes us family for sure. <laughs> and uh, so I was raised in um, both culture, actually. Uh, so the Tahitian culture as well as the Chinese culture. Um, but I feel like grow. So, if I go home, and then you ask about me, people will know me as the Chinese girl. It's like, oh, tu connais Hani? I say, ah oui, la chinoise. Um, so, so, but here in Hawaii, because now I live in Hawaii, I'm known as the Tahitian girl. Uh, so, but back home, so because I was known as the Chinese girl, and then have knowing. A very, um, knowing very little of our Chinese culture, I think I was drawn more to the Chinese side of um, of my life than to the Tahitian side. And I believe I lived that way because I lived in Tahiti, and therefore I was surrounded with by the culture and by the uh, with the language and the dances and you know and the, the music and all the the, the tradition um, traditional Tahitian uh, culture uh, so I think a part of me was seeking more um, what my Chinese heritage was um, and then so therefore, like, so growing up, uh, I was participating like in the uh, Chinese New Year festivities. I was, I was part of the Kuomintang and I was dancing and everything. Um, so, the, so the Chinese in me was craving this side of, of my identity. Um, but then when I, when I moved to Hawaii, because now everybody knows me as you know, oh, it's the Tahitian girl because she's from Tahiti. So then the, the, the Tahitian side that I have that was dormant that whole time for like 19 years of my life um, felt like there's a need that needed to be fulfilled. And in order for it to be fulfilled, I had to really embrace that the Tahitian side of me. Uh, so for 19 years of my life, I was, oh, and, but don't get me wrong. I was, I was dancing. I was doing, uh, oriteti, you know, um, uh, but I think because I was known as, oh, the Chinese girl, um, I had to embrace this Chinese and, uh, identity that I had. Uh, but now in Hawaii is a little bit different because now I'm known as Tahitian girl. Uh, so I'm, I'm more about embra embracing uh, the Tahitian side. Um, so I have a couple questions. Question one is, is your dialect Hakka? It is. Okay. <laughs> All right. I mean, I, I myself am um, very interested in our Chinese diaspora, uh, whether it's Chinese that have migrated to the States or Chinese that migrated to 
um, Southeast Asia or Chinese that immigrated to Polynesia, whether it's Tahiti, Hawaii, Samoa. And I'd say nine out of ten times um, the, the Tinito that I meet from um, Tahiti are Hakka. So yes. I kind of was a little suspicious, <laughs> leaning towards, I'll bet she's Hakka. Okay, that's cool. That's awesome to learn. My second question for that um, is, I never knew that you danced Oriteti. And so I don't think we ever talked about this before, but I am curious which groups you danced with and who you learned from. Well, uh, I danced Oriteti for a long, long time ago. Actually, I, I think I danced for for about a decade, but I started when I was very, very young. And therefore, I stopped when I was young as well. Um, and I don't, so I did most of my year with the conservatoire. So the conservatoire is only, I would say, maybe like a 20 minutes walk from my house. So every Wednesday and Friday, it was uh, very easy for us to go and to go and dance. Uh, so I learned with, um, I did a little bit with Anina, uh, a little bit with Josette. Uh, of course, I encountered uh, Mami Louise. Um, so most of my most of my early Tahiti years was with the Conservatoire. However, so back in 2011, I believe, um, I did a summer school in I did a summer school on the Big Island with the Hawaii Preparatory academy uh, it was just a summer school so four weeks um and then i think that's where uh my that's where i wanted to to go to college in hawaii that's where everything started so from there um i started being curious about hawaii uh and that's when i picked up hula so uh i've danced hula for with uh Sarcio. In Tiberi as well, uh, for about almost a decade, I think. Um, and so I danced until I actually came here. I moved to Hawaii for college. So after high school, um, my parents wanted me to have an American education. So Hawaii was a very good compromise because it was island life as well as American culture. And um, it was closer uh, to Tahiti than going to LA. Uh, so Hawaii was a very good compromise. And on top of that, I have always expressed, um, my wish to pursue my, my studies in Hawaii. So after high school, we did all the paperwork to come and become a student here. Um, so the process is about the same. <laughs> Applying for a K-1 visa and applying for a student visa, the process is about the same. Uh, so we started, so me and my family uh, were being acquainted with paperwork <laughs> from a very early time. Um, but we made, it, we made it happen, especially my parents. My parents made it happen. Uh, so I moved to Hawaii here. Uh, I moved to Hawaii back in 2005, I believe. Um, what came to college here, graduated uh, from Hawaii Pacific University. And um, so in between starting college and graduating, I met the love of my life. <laughs> um, 
And uh, so we were dating for, for two years and then graduation came. Um, so as a student, you have two choices. Either you find a job within your field of study and then lots and lots of paperwork needs, uh, you need to provide lots and lots of paperwork in order to prove that the, the job that you found is within your field of study. So that's option number one. And option number two is you have to leave the country because you're no longer uh, a student. And then, so like I said, uh, me and at the time, my boyfriend, uh, were dating for two years. And then when, the, when graduation came, we had to make a decision. So we, I did try um, to find a job. So after, you've, after your K-1, uh, after your F-1 visa, which is a student visa, expires, you have about, I think you have 90 days. You have 90 days to find a job within your field of study. If you do not, then you have to leave the country. So we did, I did apply for jobs for, for, the, for 90 days, but unsuccessful. So we had, I had, I had to leave, I had no choice but to leave the country. Uh, and that's when I think we had the talk and, and then Vinny had to go, uh, so Vinny, my husband, had to go um, to the mainland to do some training. So we decided to, that's when we started to talk about getting married because at the, at the time, getting married was the easiest way for me to come back and for us to be together. Uh, so we did uh, two years long distance. So he was uh, doing his training on the mainland. Uh, I went back to Tahiti. Uh, I became a marketing consultant for two years. So I was building website and uh, doing some business proposal um, and, and then picking up, you know, do, dancing hula again and then uh, dancing in, like in hotels and, and in events. Um, and then after the two year, uh, after he was done with his training, so that was two years later, um, we decided to, uh, to start doing the paperwork for me to move back to the, to the state. And uh, so in between, he did the formal um, proposal on one knee, <laughs> very TV-like. Uh, so, and I... I think he proposed to me in the month of April and then in month of May, we started doing the paperwork. Okay. So, so filling out the paperwork, well, filling out the paperwork. And then, um, also at the time, one, cause during my college years, I, I was also working part-time as a student assistant and, um, my boss at the time, uh, he, he, while I was doing my, uh, my visa journey, uh, he, was, he also went through the same thing. And because he married a lovely Russian girl. And then so he had to brought her to the United States. And when we were talking about it, he was like, you know what? You should, um, you should check out that website. The website has a lot of testimonies of people who are going and applying for the K-1 visa. And so that's, that's why I started going in there and documenting because it is a community the, with the sole purpose of helping everybody to come to the United States because um, they, wanna, they wanna spend the rest of their lives with their loved ones. So, um, 
and that's when I started going in there and then and then uh, documenting our journey uh, as well as researching for you know the the timeline and the the, the right proof of relationship that that would be uh, accepted and are needed and um, and you're absolutely right there were nobody from Tahiti from French Polynesia uh, uh, telling their stories, telling their telling their uh, visa stories. So um, I'm very happy that our story helped you to bring Vairia uh, to come in and, and be with you. Um, uh, so so we applied uh, we applied in May, like I said in May, and then we got an and then I was able to get my K one visa in October. So. So five months. Um, the process took five months, mm -hmm. um, and then during those five months, it's mostly it's mostly paperwork. You fill out the paperwork, uh, and you wait and wait, and you get an answer. You provide more paperwork, and then you wait and wait until so you finally you get this invitation to come and get interviewed in the U.S. Embassy. Okay, pause there. We have to. It wouldn't be right to keep going without you telling us about this international man of mystery. Cause I, I gotta be honest, like I know very little about him. I know his name's Vinny. I, I saw that y'all were in Hawaii and I think he was in Texas, if I remember, for the training, right? Cause I read that on the visa journey. And I remember he's uh I remember he's Hawaiian, um, or from Hawaii. So okay. We'll pause the visa story. I want to hear about Vinny a little bit. I want, I want, I want him to be highlighted as well, right? Because actually, no, that... I owe him, I owe him a big hug and I owe him a drink. I do, for just like being brave and doing this process. Because to be honest, it's not like y'all are the first like K one visa French Polynesia and um, United States out there, but it's the first one that I came across that I read about that helped me formulate what I was gonna do with my little situation, which ended up being my big life situation, which the person is sitting right next to me, right? So um, can you tell me about Vinny, please? And I want to say also, I want to comment about your parents that, gosh, that you were so fortunate to have them um, push you and motivate you to study at Te Whare Uparau, the conservatoire, and also um, to go to school in Hawaii. That's awesome. But yeah. yes, sorry about that. Please, can you tell <laughs> us about Vinny before we keep going with the K-1 visa story? Oh, sure. Um, so I met uh, the love of my life uh, when I was in college. Uh, so we were, both of us were in college. And um, uh, what can I say? He is, so born and raised in Hawaii. Uh, he's a fisherman, diver, surfer, um, adventurer. Uh, he, uh, even though he was born and raised in Hawaii, his parents are actually um, from, so his dad is from the Philippines and his mom is from the mainland. Um, I don't know if you guys are that familiar with the term haoli, uh, which kind of means um, not strange. Well, in a way, just like strangers, like if no, you're it's, Yeah, it's like, it's like how y'all use frani, even though yeah, exactly. not every white person is frani to Americans. Yes. But I get it, yeah. So he's hapa haoli. Uh, yeah, so he's Hapa Haoli, uh, but he calls himself uh, Jalapeno because he's Haoli Filipino. 
it's, I think it's such a cute term. <laughs> I've never heard that before. So I want to get the laughing in here because that's, I'll bet someone else out there who's listening to this is laughing right now. That's hilarious. Um, he is just amazing. And I'm so glad that I was, we were able to get married and spend our, the rest of our lives together. <laughs> um, Let me just ask you straight out before you go into the details. Were you as shocked as I was to find out that there's no U.S. embassy in Porinetia Frani? There's no U.S. embassy in Papete. There's no U.S. embassy anywhere to be found in the country. And then I found out, I was like, where the hell is Suva? <laughs> and come to find out that U.S. embassy for French Polynesia is in Fiji. Well, the thing is, I've already done the process because I applied for an F1 visa during the waiting time. I was hearing rumors that um, you could actually have access to the U.S. Embassy in New Zealand, uh, which for us would have been a huge cost saving because there's no direct flight to Suva, Fiji. You have to stop in New Zealand, do some sort of layover, and then fly to Fiji. Um, so I was hearing rumors. So then I did try. So I did send all the paperwork to um, to the U.S. Embassy in New Zealand, and uh, I think they were they processed the paperwork really fast. And I believe I have received a letter uh, stating, "Oh, wrong embassy. <laughs> you have to submit it again to um, the U.S. Embassy in Suva, Fiji." Um, so it was just, I think, just a delay of like two weeks, I believe. Uh, but, but however, I have heard, so this is something that we might need to verify, that uh, the U.S. Embassy in New Zealand is accepting appli uh, applications from, from French Polynesia. I, I'm not too sure about this, but... Um, I'd, I'd, to anyone listening out there, I think Heani and I mean well to talk about that, but we we would highly both probably suggest if you're listening out there seeking advice, um, you should probably check first off with an attorney, and second, um, whatever the website is is stating. I mean, first first do that. Second, talk to an attorney. The thing is, is by the time I got to um, research in 2015 there were rumors that uh french polynesia could use the the embassy in tonga and that was a whole thing because tonga was like they didn't even have an embassy as well so they were using suva fiji and it was just just this whole thing um what i'm really hoping for the future is that they open an embassy um where the the because there's a u.s counselor right mm -hmm. in punavia Yes. at the uh, center Tamanu. So I've been to that one for my baby's passport. But I mean, there just needs to be like, it, just, it doesn't take much to have an office, but I guess it's a, it's a diplomatic thing. Mm -hmm. So I know that the one in Suva, Fiji, like serves like French Polynesia, Kiripati, like, you know, it's like small You're island, right. right? Yeah. Right. So, so 10 years ago, when we did apply for, when we were going through the K-1 visa journey, uh, the U.S. Embassy in Suva was uh, servicing the whole South Pacific. Uh, and it was, there's a very funny story because when we did this, 
uh, I have met a French citizen who was getting his green card. And uh, so we were together and then we were on the plane and then, you know, like um, waiting in line at the uh, U.S. Embassy. And then he was telling me that uh, this is the second time that he has, he's applying for his green card because the first time he went to France. So in his logic, he was saying, I'm a French citizen. I can, I can go to France and um, apply for my green card over there because he was already married with a, uh, a U.S. citizen. So all he was trying to do was to get his green card. And then he said that um, he went there and then they told him, oh, where do you live? So, yes, you're French, but where do you live? He said, oh, I live in Tahiti, French Polynesia. And then same thing, they told him, wrong embassy. If you live, if you're a resident of the South Pacific, then you have to do your paperwork in, in Fiji. So, if you are starting and looking into filing for immigration paper, you have to be very, very careful and do your due diligence because you don't want to be spending a lot of money to go and get interviewed at the wrong embassy. <laughs> you shouldn't be listening to stories because that's what they are. They are stories and testimonies. Right. Um, everybody's, everybody's situation is different. And, and that's why people approach um, uh, immigrating to the U.S. very differently. Your story is different. My story is different. Julie's right. story is different. Everybody's yes. story is different. Yep. Um, so for anyone who is trying to come and move to the United States for any sorts of reason, uh, we highly suggest to do your yeah. research. Yes. Um, and take all the time that you need uh, to do it because you're all the time and the money and the energy that you're investing in that process will pay off in the long run. So you don't want to mess it up. <laughs> I agree. I agree. We've had countless Tahitians ask Vera, um, you know, how did you move to the U.S.? Is it, oh, so I could do it too. I could just go to do my visa in, you know, in France. And it was like, no, you can't because... Um, even when we call the French embassies for other other items, like for most things like paperwork, they always say, "Oh, but you live in Fran uh, France Ultramar, like France France overseas." Yes. Mm -hmm. So they're like, "Oh, so your embassy is the one in Suva, Fiji." So we've had a ton of people try to talk to us, like, "Well, why didn't you do it in France?" It's like because it doesn't work that way. So um, <laughs> yes, to anyone listening, we highly suggest that. So. Heyani is the first person that I ever heard about who went through the full process of the K-1. Actually, you're the only person that I know because the other Taishans that we know came with, um, they came by student visa. They came by the visa from uh, the LDS church, you know, mm -hmm. through, through going to school basically at BYU and other religious reasons. And, or they did the 485, which is the change of status like, like my wife did. My trip to Fiji, it was me and my mom. I think I would, it was a, it, it was a very memorable trip because usually, uh, when we travel, we usually travel with my dad, like we travel like with my family. So that was the very first trip where it was just me and my mom because of the process. Um, you have 
to like they were asking for like medical record there's certain type of like vaccines that you had to take x-rays that needed to be taken within a certain period before the interview um, so that's the reason why we had to stay a week and then of course prior to that you have to have you know the right type of health insurance because you have to um you have to, you have to expense all of that uh looking for a hotel transportation Fiji is is very different. It might it might be an island, but it's so different from our island. Uh, so we had to. Um, but however, I think because because I was already speaking the language, I did have uh, I did spend four years prior in Hawaii. So my English got better. Um, I also I also went to school in Hawaii, so um, all the agreements and the paperwork and the contract um, it wasn't really it wasn't really a mystery I should say uh, to me. It just, so because I was armed with uh, four years of American education uh, as well as spending. Um, four years learning English. Uh, I just wanted to point out when I did move to Hawaii, um, I did not speak English. I was mute for the first two years, <laughs> watching Friends on mute. TV <laughs> and learn with subtitles and then okay. uh, learning the language. But, uh, you know, it's just uh, when you Im emerge in, in the culture and in the country, you have to you have to learn the language to survive. Otherwise, you won't eat. You can't order pizza. C'est ça. C'est comme Vaidea. When she came to talk to my mom, she used uh, Google Translate on the phone if she had service on you know, her, her tablet. Um, and yeah, that's one of those things, right? Because French Polynesia is the only region in the Pacific that doesn't teach English even as a second language, right? It's, it's French and Tahitian first. English is optional. Exactly. Uh, yeah, but you know, Ryan, I just wanted, I just wanted to point out when you were talking about Vairia and uh, like picturing her in Fiji, you know, without speaking the language. That's why I have such a profound admiration for her. When the time was right, she just decided to just leave her country, leave her family, leave her culture to pursue love and to be with you and then she did that with without speaking fluently english uh she did that knowingly that she will be there with just you by by her side and you of course with your family and everything but it's just so so admirable somebody who came from a big and loving family in tahiti to move to completely different country with a different culture with a different language on top of that so that's that's why i have such a profound admiration oh, thank you. Uh, for Vaidya. and <laughs> of course the humble princess that she is oh humble queen <laughs> that she is uh, uh she will always say oh you know it's just it's it's not just me it's and then you and Julie, you know, you guys helped me and helped Ryan to bring me here. But it's just like, we did provide maybe a little bit of help. But everything started with her saying, I will move. Yeah. I will move to America. 
and I will make, and we together will make it work. Yeah, and you guys have that. been, you guys have been on this journey together. So that's why, like, like I, I think personally, my story is kind of like boring. It's all about paperwork, and but you guys is like, we we gonna make it happen. We gonna make it happen no matter what. And you guys did it. And you guys are still doing it. And then on top of that, you're educating all those Americans, all those wannabes about art culture. <laughs> oh my gosh, about... you can't believe you said that. <laughs> are you going to okay. cut me? <laughs> no, I'm not going to cut you. You know what? Let it be. Because uh, sometimes well, there's there needs true, to be a little... Right? Well, there's a dose... Yeah, there's a do- there needs to be a dose of reality here, right? If, 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 if people from the States are listening... Um, just know that I do care about our Oditeiti community, but some Tahitians are seeing it that way, right? Uh, that Americans are getting tattooed, Americans are putting on Tahitian costumes and dancing, you know, in Tahitian, traditional Tahitian dance style. Um, so, you know, it, it may be well and like well intentioned, but to many Tahitian people, it, it's seen as like being a wannabe, you know? So, Hey, I'm not going to cut it. Like, let's just keep it real here. I, well, first off, thank you for saying that about uh, myself and Vaidea. I mean, we're forgetting, we're, we're, you're mentioning all the good. We're, we're not mentioning all the craziness that happened with it. But I, I will remark, you're right. She did do that. And when you made the comment about if you don't learn English, you can't order pizza. She couldn't order pizza. <laughs> I had to order, I had to point on the menu for her and be like, um, this one, chicken, pullet, um, moa, you know, like uh, whatever I could say. And like, she'd be like, we or no. And then like, I'd have to order for her and I would have to order her pizza. And now she orders her own pizza and she orders a lot of pizza. So <laughs> I am proud of her. Um, as much as, as you say that you are, I, I am as well. I agree. So after the interview, and then of course, you know, you go to the interview and then you bring all the paperwork and then, and then after, you know, they stamp your paper. I was like, okay, we're granting you your visa. It, we will, sh- we will mail it to you within seven business days. Um, and then after that, I just went home and I booked a one, a one way ticket to Hawaii the following week. And then, um, and then, to me, I was like, there's no, there, there's no way for me that I'm going to wait any longer. Um, I, got, I, got my, I got my K-1 visa. And then after that, I was on the, on the plane. And, and then I, so because I, I had, because I had a life in Hawaii I, as a student, um, I, had, I had friends. Um, I had connection. Uh, all, I was, all I was doing is... Um, I became a 90-day fiancé. I could have been on the show. <laughs> right. I look at that show. I'm like, yo, y'all could have paid us for having our drama out there. <laughs> I mean, people, people, like, we had drama and people talk shit. And, like, I was like, we might as well make money off, off that. It's so funny. Especially when I've heard, like, you know, people gossip or whatever. What people said, I'm like, damn, I should have just signed up for the show on TLC. <laughs> We, we would have been paid for the same thing instead we're doing it for free. That's funny. You know, you know this, I think, I mean, when I was doing job interviews, you know, because, you know, now that, you, now that, I'm, that I'm back 
right. in the U.S. It's yeah. it's time, you know, to pay my dues and right. look for a job. And but you know that ninety day fiance show, it it came in very handy during job interviews. <laughs> <laughs> and then this, and then you know, it usually leads like, oh, can you introduce yourself? And there's like, oh, you know, my name is Hany. Um, born and raised in French Polynesia, and blah blah blah. And then telling a quick story of like how I met. Um, Vinny, and then and then the punchline usually to uh, to move forward within the interview about my skills, and it's always like, oh yeah, uh, well, d- do you guys watch the show Ninety Day Fiance? I was like, oh yeah, we do. I was like, well, I was a Ninety Day Fiance, <laughs> <laughs> oh and they already like lighten up the mood, you know. Right, People are just right. like, oh my god, they're like so intrigued because, like you said, like because of the show, they watch and they see right. how intense it is, so. <laughs> It is uh, intense. It's it so is. Funny. It right. is. And I think it's like it's it's even more different. It's even more so when you live through it. You right. Know? Absolutely. Pro tips. If you in if you are if you were a 90-day fiance, you can use the show for your interview. It will lighten up the mood and will increase your chances of getting the job. <laughs> I'll say 75%. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, it, that's a great icebreaker, right? Okay. They're automatic, it automatically comes into their mind all the paperwork that you have to go through. Right. That you came here for love. Right. And, um, <laughs> and, and, and then the, your journey was successful because now you're applying for a job. And, you know, it's like, oh, we would love to hire some international people. So, so once you move in as a 90-day fiancé, you have 90 days to get married. Uh, so I moved. Um, I landed uh, in Honolulu in October, and I got married in November. And uh, at first, uh, the the our thought was we're just gonna get married just to get the paperwork, just to to get me um, all my um, uh, to get my status um, uh, in order. And then after that, we're gonna you know uh, have a wedding ceremony and and have everybody over and have people flying from Tahiti and from the mainland for um, to come to our wedding. Uh, it did not happen. <laughs> and the reason why it did not happen is because when I came here, I came here as a student. So my parents and the student loans were financing one hundred percent of my student life. Me coming here now, I had to finance 100% of my new American life. And uh, with a new life in a new country comes challenges, challenges that you are not aware of when you are comfortable at home with your family. So after we... after I started working and, and, you know, and then balancing paychecks and books and accounting, that's when we realized that maybe uh, spending money on the weddings, on a lavish wedding ceremony might not be the right choice for us. Uh, and again, everybody's situation is different, but we just decided to not have a wedding ceremony. And in a way for me, it was kind of, poetic in a way I should say uh, in a weird way is just because to me I just wanted be here to be married to to Vinny and to just spend the rest of our lives together which is what we are doing and right, right. not having you know a celebration 
um, is okay because that wasn't the first purpose of me coming here anyway. No, yeah. That seems to be a very common theme that most couples that I've met anyway, at least the younger ones that I've met on in like kind of like our generation, um, are not able to afford that fairy tale wedding. Yeah. Because and, and, the thousands were spent on the visa, yeah, be it a K one yeah. or a four eighty five change of status and hiring an attorney. Cause if you go the four eighty five like my route, mm-hmm. you should have an attorney because they're gonna ask you, why are you overstaying your visa? Yada yada yada. So that like we did that too i totally feel that i mean we didn't have yeah. the big fairytale wedding we got married at city hall we had a tamara after um and there was like you know one of our tongan friends did a taolunga we had a little um we had like a little chinese tea ceremony we had a little cambodian wrist tying ceremony and that w- that was it like we didn't do anything there was like barely 30 people there i mean it was just like my immediate family and a couple friends that she knew, not not friends that I just wanted there. Yeah. Um, so I feel that, and and so you guys sounds pretty similar to what we did. Yeah. And then does it make me sad to think about not having a wedding? No, not at all. We get to spend the rest of our lives together anyway, regardless of having a big ceremony or not, which which is the main purpose of of us being together. <laughs> Since you guys will be together forever, you have time to plan that. <laughs> that's good that that's good to share with people i really do think some somebody out there who feels disappointed would benefit from hearing that from us like hey I'm there's, glad. You know, yeah i think i think so yeah. I, th- yeah. I think so for sure but don't get me wrong if you are if you were able to get the wedding of your dream then good for you i'm very very happy for you um but then just just to emphasize the fact again that you know Every story is different and people have different path and which is, which is okay, which is okay. And then uh, usually the, I be, if I recall, the following step is to, to apply to get the green card. So in order for you to get the green card, you have to get interviewed and, and more paperwork and more waiting time. Um, so from the day you land in the United States to the day that you get your first green card you're not allowed to work for for five months i was not allowed to work so i was depending 100 percent on my husband uh which i'm so grateful for when you read all the testimonies this is where it's very very difficult for couples they did all that journey they fill out all the right paperwork and then comes the waiting time before. So a lot of couple, they don't get through. It just because it's a very, very difficult time, especially if you are with the wrong person. So it just shows you that, you know, the journey just either breaks you or makes I, you stronger. I agree. Totally agree. That was a really hard time, especially yeah. right the first couple months. The other thing that's kind of crazy is that our country, the United States, has these laws about finances, right? Like mm-hmm. um, the petitioner, which would be me or Vinny, we had to we had to prove that we made a certain amount, yes. right? And if you don't, if you're not under that um, bracket, then they say that someone else needs to be um, co-signing, like a yeah. co-signer, 
yeah. it's almost like a, it's like, oh my gosh, this is a person you want to immigrate. Not a, it's not a car loan. You know what I mean? Like it's not a car or house loan, but they treat it that way. I remember, I remember reading that and thinking, I don't even know if I make enough, you know? Oh my gosh, that is. So, and I think, of, you know, this whole process, it kind of told us like, how bad do you want it? You know, it's like, how bad do you want to spend absolutely. the rest of your life right. with that person? People's stories are very different. For me, when, when I tell my story, it, it sounds like it went by really, really fast. You know, five months of waiting to, to get my K-1 visa, five months of, of wait to get um, my first green card. And, I, and I, have, I have to emphasize on saying the first green card because your first green card uh, expires uh, two years later. So two years after you get your first green card, you still have to apply for more paperwork, pay more fees, and and go through a, another set of interview again for fine for you to finally get a ten year green card. And but I understand the process. The process may be lengthy and tedious, but I do understand why you have to go through it because a lot of people abuse it. A lot of people, they just get married, wait for that two-year period. Um, and as soon as they get their 10-year green card, then they get divorced. It's people like them that makes the process very, very difficult for people like us. When you say that, it makes me think about, you know, folks on both sides, right? Tahiti and, and here in the States are like, oh, well, you just met some girl in the Hava and, you know, you just trying to bring her here it's like well it's it's more than that if y'all knew what we had to deal with you'd know that it wasn't just that that i really love this person enough to basically sacrifice it all you know change everything in my life and and same for her like people in tahiti you know obviously probably probably some jealousy attached there but like man oh she just wants to you know be with him so she can get out of here and go to the states it's like no if you only knew she's not coming here to you know go to Costco every day and and go to the mall. You know, she's not it's not a big American shopping trip and vacation. I mean, you're moving here. There's no other Tahitians here. Um pretty much no family. I mean, we found relatives of hers, but they're distant. But, you know, there's no immediate family, there's no support and yeah. it's scary, right? So and, that, and that's right. why that's why Varia she is just so special. Like I just, I don't know. I, I don't think I can, dis, I don't think I can describe it accurately. How much, how much of a superhero she is. <laughs> like, and, and then like not, I think also, um, I think before we, t like, I, I want, I would like to talk about, you know, culture shock. Right. Absolutely. Please to do. me, I came here for, for school. Um, I was able to have friends. And so I, to me, I feel like I was kind of gently introduced to the American culture. And the thing is that on top of that, I was in Hawaii, which is, like I said, like the perfect balance between island life and American life. But then I just imagined this gorgeous vahine, you know, moving to the big city, uh, with just speaking French and Tahitian um, and being by herself. Uh, and, and that's why I think I, 
Oh, the offer them. It's a dag. It's a dag. Because this is, <laughs> it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, yeah. like, she's a true warrior, you know, like, really like, and like you said, this, but. <laughs> you said, people will be like, oh yeah, you're just bringing somebody over. Oh yeah, she's just moving to the States so she can go shopping every day. People have no idea right. what we had to go through yes. in order to be able to start living our lives here you know it's and then visiting the u.s is one thing visiting tahiti is one thing moving there to create a life for you for your family for your children to come it's a completely different story absolutely all the people see is just how glamorous it is to either bring a tropical exotic bahine or you know or <laughs> for somebody from tv to move to the land of the free yeah uh, yep if, well, if, i mean you, you describe her as a as all those things and she is all those things but i have to throw it back on you and julie <laughs> that we our privilege was the knowledge right if you didn't hand us that mana'o of what you went through just simply by your story because it's not like you did the visa for us but just simply by sharing your story. I mean, we were strangers, right? I I reached out to you completely. I didn't even write to you on the, I think I wrote to you on the visa journey thing, but you weren't logging in anymore. It was no. way past. I yeah. went and like stalked, like looking for your Facebook. I was like, I have to find this person. And then <laughs> lo and behold, I remember that you told me, oh, my other friend did it too. And her name's Julie. And I had known Julie from um, some mutual friends through, the Tahitian dance world, but you know, I, to, 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 to her, I was a complete stranger too, right? Like who's this guy hitting me up? So I just, I, I am indebted to y'all. And, and I know that, um, I just being friends with you all this time, I know what you tell me is like, Oh, you don't owe me anything, but then that's why we want to pay it forward. Right. That's why we do so much to create this community or help any couple that hits us up without, is because I was like, Heani or Julie could have done that. They could have read my message and just been like, who the hell is this? <laughs> you know, so because of that kindness that you showed me, we've really, really gone out of our way to try to pay it back and forward for somebody else. So I just yeah. want to give you a big thank you. Yeah, and you guys are doing a great job. You guys are, you guys are the foundation of this we, brand we, new. We are. We, <laughs> yeah, we are we have we are. to do it we have to do it for um for our families and for our, our kids too you know that's true yes yeah. yes and then oh i really hope we would have the chance to have julie on board as well she has also yeah. an amazing story um uh that and then we got a glimpse and previews of her story because her story was published in the magazine back home wow <laughs> Oh, Julie was already a superstar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very, I mean, pretty well known, um, especially in like dan the dance world and stuff. Yeah. So, um, yes. yeah, I, I did invite her and Kaniala to each have their own episode. Um, so I could, I could ask them about that. But yes, we will have Julie on. I don't I know when, but we will. Yes. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay, so uh, so after this period of waiting, I was finally able to get a green card and you know start my uh, active and professional life and being also able to help my husband. Um, so and then I think it was just start. It was just the start of my American dream, you know, being able to find a job and being able to um, 
to work with amazing people, learning new skills, perfecting those skills. And, and I am so lucky and so blessed to wake up every single day very, very happy to go to work. <laughs> this way of seeing life, mm-hmm. I think, in the, you have to see life in a, in a positive light, especially after what we've gone through, you know, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, miles and miles of paper and, right. and and gallons and gallons of ink and that's all you know to print thousands and fees right yeah thousands of fees um, yep. it's like if if i have to look back and i look at the journey from from where it all started to now i cannot be anything but grateful you know and then you're i was very very lucky also to have an amazing family that supported me emotionally as well as financially and then to me it just it's just a way to to remind myself like you know you have to pay forward what you have what you have right now in your life is not just you Right. It's not because it's not just because of you. It's because of the support system. Uh, so, so I, I I'm living my American dream. I have I have a very healthy little pearl. Uh, I have a loving husband. I have a great job and have amazing coworkers. So li- life is good. I will not complain and cannot complain and should not complain. Life is good. When Casey was born, um, she was so when so I think the first two years of her life, I was just speaking to her in French. So no Chinese, no Tahitian, just right. focusing solely on French. Right. And then she started preschool. As soon as as preschool, and then you can you can tell me about your experience, but as mm-hmm. soon as preschool started. It was just so hard for me to talk to her in French. Yeah. I felt like she would comprehend faster if I tell her to pick up her toys. Like faster, right. she would react faster if it's in English. So, and then the French language started fading away. But then, in the back of my mind, I was just, I was just reassuring myself. Oh, it's okay if I don't speak to her in French or in Tahitian or in mm-hmm. Chinese, because when she'll be old enough to travel by herself, then every summer. We'll send her to Tahiti. Right. And then she'll right. spend she'll spend three months over there. She'll learn French. She'll learn how to dance. Uh, she'll learn Tahitian and 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 all that. Um, so that's what I was banking on. But then thing life happens, you know. Right. Yeah. Um it's just um well, it can still it it could still happen, right? Luckily, there are Tahitians in Hawaii. But, but see, Ryan, this is the dilemma that I am facing right now because I live in Hawaii. Right. And then I would love to have your opinion. Okay. Uh, okay. So Hawaii has his has his own culture. Yeah. Very very alive. So at first, like even me when I was a student here, I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe I should I should look. Um, like I said, I was craving this Tahitian identity because here I was known as Tahitian girl. So I was like, oh, you right. know, I'm going to start looking for like um, group de danse and see if, if I can dance. And, mm-hmm. you know, but it's, it's just so hard to find 
somebody who has the right roots from Tahiti. You're right. So that was, that was my very first dilemma. Right. My second dilemma is like, we're in Hawaii. If she should, if she, if she needs to learn a dance, I would like her to learn hula. Because being in Hawaii, this is where hula is born. Right, absolutely. And if she needs to learn some type of dance, I would pick hula. And then that's why also I was saying, like, I'm banking on the fact that when she will be old enough to travel, she'll spend the summer in Tahiti. Uh, hopefully, and then in my head, I was picturing this. Oh, okay, she's going to go to Tahiti. She's going to go and dance with um, my very, very good friend, Hinatia Kolombani. She's going to be one of the students for Ecole de Danse Matihaunui. Part of the Arioi, you know, right, cultural right. center. This is how I see it. But to me, is only three months out of the year. Um, also, I'm kind of scared of, not scared, but I'm kind of hesitant of putting her um, in hula. It's just because uh, I've noticed that oritati and the environment when you learn oritati in Tahiti is so different than mm -hmm. learning hula here. Yeah. It's true. It's two different type of dances. It's, right. The culture might be very similar, but there's yeah. also differences. Right. And for some reason, I feel like because Hawaii has an American influence, I feel like dancing hula is even more competitive. And I think that's what I was telling. Okay. That's why I was telling yeah. my friends. I was like, you know, right. I remember learning dancing. Like when I was doing Oriteti in Tahiti, it's so different. People are so loving. And, you know, they share. There's, I mean, there's competition when the Heva comes in, you know. Right. But it's before being a competition, it's first and foremost a place to gather and a place right. to share. And but here I feel like it's so different. Like the hallows have their own, you know, like rivalry. Yeah. And, yes. Yep. And um, familiar with that. Yes. Absolutely. Am I am I wrong or? No. So well, you just I mean you threw a lot. You threw a lot at that conversation, which which is good, <laughs> right? Because there's a lot to unpack here. Um, first, I'll go back to the language, right? Because. Um, I do see the language change with Tanirai, right? He, um, he started preschool um, and what happened was Verea was speaking Reo Maohi or Reo Teiti to him. So, prao prao reo rurutu, prao prao reo teiti, right? right? Like speaking Tahitian and rurutu to him for the first two years of his life. Mm -hmm. I have like videos of it and stuff. And then he like, and then we speak French at home. Because I got so used to speaking broken French to her because her English wasn't there till she went to school. <laughs> so, you know, she, she learned English by us fighting. So we didn't, we mostly spoke broken French, like my broken French and her French to me with a mix of English. So he, when he got to preschool, he started forgetting Tahitian, mm -hmm. but somehow retained French and English is, is strongest now because he's in school. You're right about that. But then she'll still speak to him in French and he completely understands. It's just he doesn't answer her in, 
in French. He yeah, it's your yeah, it's sandwichishi. Right. Yeah. The thing about parenting um as a Tahitian person, and I don't want to speak in her place, but I'll just kind of mention what she's told me, right? Vera was really adamant that we don't put our kids in um and this may shock people who I'm friends with, but I don't I don't mind just being upfront because if they ask me, I would tell them. Vera won't put my my two sons in a group that is not run by uh Tahitian people. For that, for that same reason that you have is that the lens is completely different. It's not a race thing. It's not about what your race is and it just checks off. It's, it's, it's a trust thing. It's a trust thing that you know how it functions in, you know, back, back in your home country. Um, and that it's, it's less, it should be less competitive and more about the group. It shouldn't be about solos. It should be about the community and the group and the family as a unit. Right, because most groups, if you're not in a in école de danse, right, like uh, like you mentioned, like Matehao Nui, or the conservatoire where you're from, the groups for the for the Heva represent a commune or a district. Yeah, or, exactly. Or a yes. private person that you go to learn from that specific person, like like Macau Foster. You mm-hmm. want to learn from her Kokohotahota. You want to learn from him, so you'll come all the way from Papeari to to go with that group. You know, that it, it works different in that sense. I could see why it's a little scary um, to to figure out if putting Keishi in um, the hula groups or the Tahitian groups are, are the right thing for her, right? My thing too is that um, I think the culture has, it, it calls to you, right? So, right. you know, you mentioned that about yourself, that you had this yearning to be connected sometimes to your Chinese side, sometimes to your Maohi side. I've had that as well for my sides, my own lineages, right? Um, I, I feel really called to my temple. You know, I, I didn't even know that like a lot of my great grandparents were, were doing the same type of spirituality. Um, and it's just something that calls you to it, even if your parents raise you another way. And so I think the Oriteti is the same because what Vaira ended up showing me was she was like, we, I don't, I don't want to force the boys because if I force them, it'll be the opposite because they're forced to do it. They don't want to do it. Yeah. And then now we're seeing it with them. Like the older one loves to drum and the younger one loves to dance, but we didn't force them. We didn't put them in a school. We didn't put them in a group. And I'm seeing like, Oh shit. You know, not that I doubted her, but her mentality, it, it worked, right? It worked that she, didn't force them and it, they naturally would see us doing stuff and be around the groups that we help gravitate towards a certain thing. So she, you know, your daughter may not gravitate towards dancing. She may love playing music. Yeah. Um, and then she may be able to tell you, you know, within the next year or so, now that COVID's, you know, um, it's not that it's gone, but now that COVID is, the protocols out there for COVID safety are opening up a little more uh she may tell you oh i really i really liked seeing that station group and i want to try it mom or i really (laughs) love you know they did hula at my school and i want to i want to give it a try i mean at least though she'll give you you know her voice on what she wants to do so i don't i don't think you're wrong at all and actually you'd be surprised like i know that the way you see it especially with the way that we share things online through taneda inia page that it looks like we as a couple we do a lot because we see ourselves as cultural practitioners meaning we practice the cultures our own cultures respectively and each other's culture in the household every day with each other for ourselves 
But when, when, as we're parenting, we actually haven't put that on them as much as you think that we would have, we, we didn't, um, they just like gravitate to, towards it, you know? So actually what you're doing is very similar to Vaidea, right? She does not want to just throw them in somewhere and just blindly think that that's going to be okay. Um, I think you're right. I think that she need to go back to Tahiti and see it and, yeah. and feel it most of all, not have yeah. to tell her about it, but her, for her to feel it, right? It's different when you're there. You remember, um, have you been to the Hava before? I have, yes. You yes. know, my analogy is if you listen to those Jimene Taravas, they are so beautiful and so powerful when you're sitting at Toata or Vaete. You know, back then, I'm not that old, so it wouldn't be Vaete, but <laughs> Toata, um, when you're listening to those Jimenez, they're so powerful in person. For some reason, the video just doesn't do it justice. You know, like when you come back home and watch it on, the, on TV or something, it, it doesn't feel the same but actually when you're there watching in Tawata you almost like it just at least for me it comes over me like oh my god this is so powerful I get goosebumps and yeah, so, so much um, mana in there. it is <laughs> it is yeah. and um that power has to be felt by her but I feel I feel like you're right she needs to go home um my teacher used to call Tahiti you know for, for the culture you'd say it's the pito right yeah she needs to go back to the pito and and feel it yeah and that that may open her mind up to it, you know? Yes. Yeah. And, and, and thank you so much for sharing, you know, cause at one point I was just like, Oh, am I doing enough? Am I, am I doing too, am I doing enough for her? But, but, but you're right. You know, I think, I think it is a calling mm -hmm. and, um, and then uh, we just have to be patient and wait until she, she, you know, she um, speak up and, right. and, then, and then us as parents, I guess we just have to, to, to listen and and be ready to guide them wherever they they want to they they choose to go. I I think that people like you and I, well, for me, right? I, I look at like um, Julie's girls, right? Because Julie has a yeah. group, Pupu Ori Tenati, and I love seeing how her girls are um, involved. They're dancing, they're drumming, um, they're they're at their their parents' practice. They're watching their parents run the show and. I look at that and I'm like, I just admire it, right? I'm like, yo, they, they're going to be fire one day, right? Because they, they've been around it since day one, but also their mother is, is like, like you and, and Vaidera, she's from Tahiti. So um, she has the right mindset to pass on as a heritage, right? It's that spirit. And, and it's, um, I look at that and I, and I kind of like do what you do, like how you were looking at us engaging it. I was like, damn, am I doing enough for my boys? But <laughs> Like, I, I, I hate thinking that you look at us and think that too, because yes, we bring them around competitions and groups, but no, Vedea won't, won't, um, she and I have decided together not to put them, um, yeah. you know, she, she, she and I talk about it. We do want them to be, um, with their people. Right. So maybe it has to do with going back, like you said, and just throwing them in the deep end and saying, here, yeah. here's your family, right? <laughs> Here's your family, here's your family, or whatever. Even here's your dad's group, and just go, right? Yeah. Go and just learn, right? So maybe it has yes. to take that for us. But this brings me to my last question, which is that um, what do you see as, what do you see as some key points for us as a community to grow and connect our Tahitian American communities between California, Utah, Hawaii, um, Florida, you know, like 
it's it's it is a community because it's um, spouses like you and Vera, and it's spouses like me and Vinny who can connect, and then it's our children who are growing up either in Tahiti or the United States, but one parent is from one place and one parent's from the other. So it's that community that we have, and I feel like it's growing, even though there's been Tahitian people that have been living here, with the community that we're, we're working on connecting, what, do you, what are some key components that you think that we need to keep, keep at it to, to connect us all? <laughs> uh, no, that's a very good question. And um, I, I am witnessing firsthand on Facebook how fast and how big uh, the little community that you have created Oh, sorry. We have created. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then, so I think for that, there's a lot of challenges, mostly because, like you said, Tahitian American family, we're talking about, so it's incredible to see how scattered we all are. Um, So bringing people together like physically together that's that's the first challenge uh but thanks to you know to social media um, we are able to stay connected however another challenge would be um how to stay connected being connected is one thing staying connected is another some people are very active in on the page um some people some people are not so um, I'm one of them. <laughs> um, but what I love, love, love to do is to read everybody's story. And, and then if you guys are, li- thank you so much for sharing your stories. It's just, it, it goes back to the point where people, everybody has a different story. People have different experiences and the fact that they're willing to share their stories and their experiences i think this is how we stay connected also because of uh, the internet uh, people who are craving to learn more about our tahitian culture uh, we do have the uh, arioi cultural center Uh, shout out to Hinats, who is doing a marvelous job in in promoting uh, our Finua, our culture, all over the world. Um, So if people are craving, and I've been reading, you know, like people want to learn the language, they want to learn the stories and the legends, um, we are able to do so with uh, Hinatia's work. Uh, So I think that's, that's a big, that's a very big plus. Um, uh, so I think that's another way for us to stay connected. Uh, and then, but you know, one day, one day, I really hope I get to, to be with you guys in person. Um, I, I hope that Keisha will have the opportunity to play, uh, and to get to know the boys. Um, uh, so, but this is, uh, something that, uh, we are going to make it happen. <laughs> uh, we did this whole process um, to get here, to be here. So I'm sure being together will be a piece of cake. <laughs> so I, I really, I, yes, I really, yeah. did, we can do it. It's just a matter of time. Yes. Um, so, but yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's 
shoot for um, another podcast, uh, but this time together in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. I would love that. I, yeah, and then after that, we can... Uh, Veria can teach us how to, to do some uh, trissage and dancing and, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and then you guys can make some poisson cru so I can eat. <laughs> Would love that. Yeah. He <laughs> makes yeah. the best poisson cru, so definitely. Yeah, and I have to emphasize it's either this is going to, we're going to make it happen either on the mainland or in Hawaii. Hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, uh, what she's uh, what she's prodding at everybody is uh, she's been trying to work on Vedea and I moving to Oahu. So you know, never know. I cannot thank you enough for agreeing to be um, pretty much the first feature, right? Because I'm gonna have Vedea. Um, she she has a mouthpiece, so she likes she she's gonna hopefully co-host with me. Yes, um, please. Oh, I would right. love that. <laughs> we would love to hear you guys co-host together. It'll be turn. It'll turn into a comedy show if we if oh we shout a lot too much, right? So, <laughs> so, um, no, but I I really appreciate you taking the time to be the first feature. And like I said, it's only right in my eyes because um, you were really the first person to open your your heart to helping us, um. Again, Kent, I will I will thank you from now until I am old and gray, <laughs> and even more so, even teach the boys to to, to thank your daughter for, um, for having just taken a chance to give me the the advice I needed and the info I needed to bring her here because I wouldn't be with the love of my life if um, if it weren't for you and Vinny lighting a path and then telling me how to walk that path. <laughs> So shout out to you and, and, and Vinny and then shout out to Julie and Kaniella as well because um, it, it made a difference for us. So thank you so much, Heyani. And thank you for sharing your, your beautiful story with us and your insights. Um, yeah, we, we want to come to Oahu and do a Tahitian American families gathering. So um, we can and we will, right? Yeah, yes. definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank you for, um, that was a trip down memory lane. So thank <laughs> you so much. <laughs> Is there anyone that you want to shout out or thank um, before we, we close out? I think a special shout out to my parents. Uh, it's just because I think without their support, I don't think I would have the life that I currently have right now. So it all started with them. Uh, another shout out to your amazing and beautiful wife that I adore. She is just the warrior queen that <laughs> everybody needs to have in their lives because she's so inspiring and she's so amazing. And, oh my gosh. And I, I'm her biggest fan. Okay, I'm her second biggest fan after you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, there we go. Um, and then... Uh, and, and then thank you, Ryan. Thank you so much for, for doing this. Um, you, you are paving the way for other couples like us, but you're also opening the way for our children. Right. And this is something that um, without you and without your, your help, I don't think our kids would have the same 
view, but I think capturing this journey, it would be a great gift for kids because when they look back, they will see what they, their own life, what they've been going through. But because of this, because of this gift that you're giving them, they will be able to look even, even more back <laughs> and see, you know, what, what we had to go through yeah. in order for them to have what they have right yeah, now. Yeah, it's for the kids. Right. Yeah, which is an amazing life. So, right. Thank you. Oh my gosh. That's, that's huge. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I agree. It's for the kids. I want them to um, one day hear each episode and know that these stories were important and that there were so many love stories and um, things to, we're, we're not like other couples. And I don't mean that in like a high makamaka or a, a fa'oru or like big head away. I'm saying we're not like other couples because we don't have the privilege to just fall in love like two people in Tahiti or two people in the States. Fall in love, get married, and then you have kids, and then you have both families that support you. And if you fight with your spouse, you can run back home to your family. You know, it's not like that for us, right? There's so many factors of we don't have no matter which country you pick you don't have someone's family there we couldn't just fall in love and just be a couple we had to like pay for it literally <laughs> literally um, prove it yeah. literally right and so you know people need to understand that that's that those are privileges that we were not necessarily given um mm -hmm. and so i want the kids mostly to to know that we, the parents, we fought a lot so that we could be with their, their other parent, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you for saying that. But I, I can't, I cannot take any credit. We, it's a we thing always for me. It's not me and Vaidea. It's me, Vaidea, you, uh, Julie, all, all those other Tatian people in the group with us that, um, and Americans that, that are, that are contributing and being part of it and willing to, right? So mm -hmm. thank you. And, um, I appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you.